Welcome this morning to Revive Online. Let's dive straight into the Word. I'm beginning a three-week series, both here online and in person at the Cottingham Service, all about resetting Revive. If you've read my book or if you've, if you've listened to uh, anything I've been saying over the last 18 months, you'll know I believe we've been in a dis- divine reset, a pit stop pause, improving and upgrading and developing things ready for a new era in God. And I want to talk about some of those developments. I had a vision a little while ago, and it was of a row of racing yachts all lined up, ready to race. And the wind was about to hit their sails. And I heard God say, here I come, ready or not. I believe the wind of God, the wind of a new day, the wind of a new era is about to hit the sails of our life. The question is, are we ready? I love the bit of scripture, 1 Kings 18, where it says, Elijah tidied his cloak into his belt. Then the power of God came on him and he ran faster than the chariot. You know, if the power of God's about to hit you, you better make sure that you're tidied up and ready for a move of God. And so this session, these next three weeks are all about tidying up our mantle, knowing where we're going in God. Because what you don't want to do is trip over your past while you're trying to run into your future. I believe it is a new day. Uh, Sharon Stone spoken to us under lockdown saying, rip up the blueprint. There, so much of it was drawn and written under the old era, but there's a new era and it's going to require some new thinking. Not on everything, but on many, many things. Dwayne White came to us in February 2020, about a month before the first lockdown. And he came to our Refresh Leaders Forum and he handed every leader in the room, I don't know, maybe 100 leaders, a blank sheet of paper. Think of this, February 2020, and said, God is about to hand all of you a blank sheet of paper. It's a restart moment. It's a do-over moment. It's a chance to start again. And boy, was he right. A month later, everything was shut down, activities ceased, and we were in this divine pause, uh, which has been, well, it's been frustrating. It's been unusual. It's been disorientating. But I believe God's speaking into it in this time, and we need to be ready for the wind of this new season to hit ourselves so we can run in God. So uh, some of what I'm going to say over the next three weeks is going to be organisational and, and information that's kind of useful, but I understand that would be a bit boring if I did that. So I'm also going to be talking prophetically, spiritually, inspirationally for your life, how the reset of Revive and friends around the world join into the reset of Revive will affect your own life so that you can engage and fully embrace the new day as it comes. Let me start, though, by sharing with you some something that I believe isn't changing. Uh, our vision, our dream from God, our aim in God is not changing at all. And here's what that has been for many years in revival, or how we describe it at the moment. You might adjust the words for greater emphasis, but essentially this is what God has called us to be and called us to do. We've described it for many years in this way, that we are about inspiring global revival, equipping extraordinary generations and transforming 
local communities. Inspiring global revival. In 1996, I had an encounter with the glory of God. I know the glory of God, a harvest, the fullness of his kingdom. A revival is coming to the United Kingdom, to Europe and to many places in the world. And we want to play our part in seeing the the mountains of influence, of parliament, of media, of education, of medicine, of politics, and so much more being impacted by the kingdom of God, an absolute turnaround as the kingdom of God moves among us. It's the promise of scripture that in the end, this is the thing, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And we just want to play our small part in that and have an adventure to see God move wherever we are. Equipping extraordinary generations, raising up extraordinary disciples from every people group and every age range. Uh, children turning out as miracle workers and revivalists, silver surfers in their old age, still on the mission field, still transforming lives, still bringing the kingdom of God wherever they are. And then finally, transforming local communities. If this doesn't land in the lives of real people, it can't just be a vision statement on a wall. It has to affect a single mum on a Monday morning in how her world works, that the kingdom of God has come to her. It's not just about church services or grand statements in pulpits. It has to make people debt free. It has to heal people of pain. It has to save people. It has to transform families. It has to bring miracles into lives. It has to transform businesses and society itself. That is the kingdom of God coming among us. And that is not changing one bit, but our methods, our strategies, they're temporal, they're, they're, they're temporary, they have a, they have a cycle, they, 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 they work for certain cultures and, and not for others, for certain times and not for others. And so in this reset time, we are adjusting things. And that's what I want to talk about uh, this week, is to begin to talk about things that God is resetting okay and here's the first one the first thing God is doing is he is resetting our posture the very core and stance of revive is changing God has been getting a hold of a slightly out of shape revived church and he is maneuvering our stance our balance our core our focus how you stand is so important. You've probably heard me talk about my golf lesson one time when, I mean, I'm a hopeless golfer, uh, but the golf tutor said, well, show me your swing. So I took a hit at a ball and thankful that I hit it and it, it went straight. It was all right. And then this golf tutor grabbed a hold of me and he, he moved my feet a few inches and moved my knees a few inches and shifted my leg position and shoved my butt out a little bit further and adjusted my hands. And now he said, now hit it. And I took a swing at it again and it went twice as far. Tiny adjustments in my stance, my posture transformed the power of what I was doing. The reality, Revive, is that we've been too weak, 
fragmented in our big commuter culture right across a big region, uh, not able to be focused and undiluted in the areas where we need to be undiluted and undistracted. And I believe we've just not been able to, to, to work with the authority that we've been called to have in recent years. And I believe God's been getting a hold of us and saying, right, let me reset your stance. Let me put things at the center that are meant to be at the center. We've been doing our best like everybody, doing all we can, but sometimes you end up ragged and off balance a little bit. Anybody know what I mean? You get a little bit of mission drift and posture drift in how you're operating as a family. And you can feel, I've been able to feel in recent years, the fragmentation, a little bit of weariness settling in, a little bit of frustration settling in. And I believe the kind hands of God have been maneuvering our body to a new posture, ready for new power for a new day. And one of the key aspects, I suppose everything about these two, these next three weeks, I'm going to be talking about how God is adjusting our posture and, and activities and the things we do and the focuses we have in different ways. But the biggest key one for me is that God has been talking to us about the world of prayer and encounter and intimacy with Jesus it needs to be so much more powerful among us. And I know that uh, as a church, we love the presence of God, but it's so easy to experience mission drift and not be as focused on him as you could be. So I believe part of the posture change, part of the reset is that we are placing prayer at a more central place than ever in the life of our church. When Jesus saw the temple full of distractions and selfishness and things that shouldn't be going on with a sense of zeal and annoyance. Jesus quoted Isaiah 56 verse 6 to 7 and this is what that says. It says foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and hold fast to my covenant these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar and here's the bit that Jesus himself quoted powerfully for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations that's how Jesus defines the church, a house of prayer for all nations. I believe we need to redesign and reset revive as a house of prayer. Now the word prayer might, I don't know, you might sound a bit heavy to you, but so let's just say a house of intimacy, a house of encounter, a place of meeting God, a place of relationship with him, a, a tabernacle of David, a place of praise and presence filled music and creativity and art a place to hang out in his presence, a place to chill with God. I don't care how you say it. A house of worship, a house of glory. You, all these wonderful phrases, a school of the spirit, however you want to phrase it, we need to come right to the throne of God. And I believe uh, uh, dig a well of glory in the middle of our land. Uh, uh, put up a tabernacle, put up a temple, a place for people to meet God. And here's the thing, not just 
for an hour and a half on a Sunday, we've become far too Sunday-centric and it's made us weak. And as a commuter church and as a nomadic church without a single venue, uh, we've really been struggling with that. So we've had, uh, to to go back pre-pandemic, big numbers on a Sunday, then really uh, comparatively small numbers of stuff going on uh, uh, through the week. It's been a a much, much smaller. What happens as you get bigger is your fringe grows. And and as it were, you, you, you end up with an 80s haircut, right? You get a big fringe. And what really happens is the sense of commitment, the sense of church and my, um, people's walk with God just being a well, I turn up for an hour and a half on a Sunday and I've got a busy life and that's pretty well all I do. It's not enough to have kingdom come. We end up with a westernized consumerist version of Christianity. It's not powerful enough to blow the fluff of a peanut, as some people say. Uh, if you really want what we're prophesying, a revival, a move of God, kingdom come in businesses and medicine and education and politics and family and all these other ways. If you really want to see uh, communities transform and streets transformed by the power of God, then you, you need to go deeper into God. And so practical bit here, we're shifting from Sunday centric to seven day centric. It's going to take a while to do. We'll just we'll start with in little ways and slowly unfold it. But we we want to end up with a place where you can come whenever you want, just about in the week. It might start at two days a week. It might go to four. It might be five. I hope it ends up at seven. A place Imagine if church was a place where you could come for for food and fellowship and fun and hanging out anytime. Uh, And also to encounter God and be in his presence and be ministered to and receive prophecy and be restored. Imagine a place that was open all the time or let's say lots of the time for food and fellowship and friendship and for encounter and the power of God and healing and restoration. What if church wasn't just an hour and a half on a Sunday, but was something that was transforming young people, old people, busy people, uh, people with lots of space on their time? What if the doors never closed and the presence of God in a corporate gathered way was available a lot of the time? I believe that's the future. It's Sundays will still be Sundays. Uh, they're they're going to be, in our case, they're going to be simpler. They're going to be more raw, probably going to be shorter uh, uh, because we want people to start to just come to stuff at different times, often when they're more free and encounter God together and build a life more like the book of Acts that was full of food and full of daily prayer. And I know people... People won't come every day. That's not what I mean. But somebody will come every day and a voice will be raised up from the region to heaven to worship God and call on his power and his protection every day. We'll be pushing back, as it were, the powers of darkness every single day as we encounter God, as we become a house of prayer for all nations. Can you imagine it? Can you see it? Wow. It's what we want to do. It's what we want to see. And well, here's what a house like that can see happens. Let, let me give you kind of three examples. There was a, a house of prayer set up in Jerusalem and, and it was overlooking a valley that is known from of old. It's in the Bible and even in the Bible, it's a cursed place because of the sacrifice of children to, to idols and to false gods. 
And even in modern times, the Jews considered it to be a cursed place because of that. But there is a promise in the Bible that said that one day it would become holy again. Well, this house of prayer, not too many years ago, just began to pray over this valley that become a place of curse, literally a rubbish tip, uh, a, a place of witchcraft, a messy place, smelly place, not a nice place to be. And they began to pray and they would go there and they would worship and they would sing and they would pray over it. And over the course of a few years, it slowly began to be transformed until I actually, three or four years in, went with a, a, a secular guide, I'd say not, not a Christian guide, a tour guide, because they began to do tours into this valley and they wanted to hear what the non-Christian tour guide would say. And, and he said, well, as you, you may know, Jews considered this place to be cursed. Um, and one of the reasons we thought that is because of the history to do with sacrifice of, of children. But then no birds would come into this valley. And so it's been a kind of a, a dumping ground. But just a few months ago, the birds returned. And so we know the valley curse has now been lifted. Wow. Today, from a rubbish tip, that's become a place of, of parks and children and beautiful sounds and yes, birds in the trees. You know, sometimes land, places, atmospheres can experience the warfare of the enemy, strongholds of the enemy, and it's our prayers that transform regions. If you believe in prayer, if you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, if you believe in, in good and evil, in blessing and curse, then you'll know this, that sometimes you have to take authority to bring the blessing of God to a house, to a street, to a suburb, to a community, to a city, a region and beyond. And as we set up a house of encounter with God, a tabernacle of Davidic worship, in the centre of our region. I believe we're going to deal with so many places that are cursed and in pain and difficulty where you hear the same sad story again and again and again under God when believers take responsibility and start speaking to mountains and declaring to principalities and powers. Things become transformed. I got that story from a beautiful book. Would highly recommend it. Shifting nations through houses of prayer. And that's what goes on when we say, right, we're going to begin to pray today like they prayed in the Bible so that we can begin to see today the miracles they saw in the Bible. Another house of prayer was being set up in Switzerland and the person that was setting it up felt to buy, uh, sorry, to rent a very expensive apartment in a rather nice area that she didn't really want to do because she didn't have much money. Uh, but she really felt from God, that's where I need to be in this particular position in the city. So she went in in faith and she prayed to God for the money. And one day in prayer, she heard a fluttering in one of her cupboards while she was praying. So she opened the cupboard and there in the cupboard was a whole load of money. Literally, this is a true story. You can go read it in some of Pete Gregg's books. Just incredible. He's the guy that accidentally started the concept of 24-7 prayer. Well, it's biblical, but the modern day understanding of it. And uh, this is one of their stories which are just outstanding. Some of his books are stuff like this, Dirty Glory. 
uh, and Red Moon Rising read them. They're fantastic. Well, she found all this money in the cupboard and she's like, where, where did that come from? She even ended up checking with the police. Is there stolen money? What should I do with it? All this kind of stuff. Anyway, she ended up with this money and it paid for the rent. And then she was praying again some weeks later. And again, she heard a fluttering in her cupboard, opened the door, and there was loads of money. I mean, over time, this equated to thousands and thousands of pounds. She even had guests around who had begun to hear the story. Her friends would say, can we see in the cupboard to see if there's anything there? And you know what? Sometimes they would be praying and they'd open the cupboard and there would be money again in the cupboard. I think it happened something like four or five or six times just this miraculous money appeared. I remember being on mission in South Africa once and we'd run out of money and our team were getting in a bit of a tiz was about what we should do and we prayed and then opened a wallet and a wallet that had nothing in it before suddenly had a load of money in it. God has the capacity to do anything. You know, something happens when you enter the realm of true, deep prayer and intimacy with Jesus. Heaven comes to earth which is of course the theme of the our father right our father who art in heaven how to be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven as we begin with the intimacy of father together our father not just my father and then we go through to out of our intimacy heaven comes to earth and so what happens well cursed lands get healed provision arrives. I've been in the atmosphere of, of deep presence and encounter and prayer rooms before. Honestly, you know, sometimes outside of that atmosphere, I'm laying hands on someone to be healed and it's all sweat and Jesus and loud and trying all I can to try and help this person win a victory for healing. I've been in the atmosphere where the membrane between heaven and earth is so thin. And the powers of the age to come are just rippling through the room and you just point at someone and they get healed. I've seen people come into that atmosphere. Uh, I remember one time, uh, was it a week, 10 days, something of, of, of just worship and encounter. And a lady with MS came in, she just lay on the floor every day for 10 days and got healed, just lying in the presence of God. Uh, when I've been confused and I've needed wisdom from heaven, in the atmosphere of prolonged, intense encounter with Jesus. Incredible divine strategies and visions have just arrived that has transformed my life. I have never ever set my heart on pilgrimage and come out disappointed. I've found God and I've found his wisdom. And listen, Revive, I'm inviting you. I'm setting my heart on pilgrimage. Not to have a 24-7 badge anywhere. I don't, don't not even sure I, I care whether anything's 24-7 or you call it a house of prayer. It's just I'm setting my heart on a pilgrimage into a land called Jesus. Do you want to journey with me? The things that will happen in a house of prayer. Now, I know some of you busy people and some that aren't yet excited about prayer would look and go, I, I, I don't want to spend days in a house of prayer. Hey, listen, remarkable stuff happens when we do. Remember when Jesus was born and presented at the temple? Uh, there were two people that spotted he was the Messiah. One was a man called Simeon who said, and this is before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, so here's a good one for your theology. It said the Holy Spirit was on him. He was a devout man of intimacy with God. And he recognized one of the first, that's the Messiah. 
But then there's a woman called Anna, and um, she was a widow. And the Bible says she spent her days in prayer and fasting at the temple. You know, there are just some of those weird people that spend their days in intimacy with God. And again, she spotted Jesus. We need, won't be everybody, some will come just for short periods, maybe even take a little season out. Many will just come for an hour or two here and there. But there will be some, and I, I'm just pulling on your heartstrings right now, there will be some that become devoted to the house and the place of prayer. And they will be watchmen on the walls that see things first and give all of us eyes as they prophesy and speak what they see in the presence of God. You might not be able to be in the prayer room all the time, but listen, you need the eyes of the prophets and the intercessors and those who've got time and space in their life now to just go and have extra time. We need their dreams, visions, guidance and prophecy. How much more powerful would Revive be if we had more watchmen on the walls? Wow. And here's another interesting thing. You might not be able to spend every moment in the prayer room. But you need the firepower of a few intercessors and prophets and people of authority that are spending lots of time in the prayer room praying for you. You might have a call to get out there and be super busy bringing the kingdom of God into education or medicine or politics or media or other spheres like that. And you might think, well, I, you know, I can't spend two days a week in the prayer room. Listen, but there are people who will spend two days a week in the prayer room praying for you. Maybe the reason you're so uh, exhausted, you're so banged about, is because you haven't had enough air power. With all the recent events going on in Afghanistan, did you notice that one of the things that they said is that the Afghan army retreated and disappeared because the air cover from the Allied troops had disappeared? Every troop on the ground hitting those seven mountains of influence to bring the kingdom of God needs the air power of intercessors and prophets, men and women of God who have the time and the calling and the gifting and the capacity to be in God's presence, to see like watchmen, but also to fight for you and bring you the protection and the power that you need. We need our air power. We need a house of prayer right at the centre of Revive, if we're going to see the kingdom of God come in the way that the vision brings hope and brings longing to. Educators, those touching politics, those seeking to transform media, those seeking to change families, those seeking to transform local communities in Hull and East Yorkshire, you need an intercessor praying for you bringing you prophetic words, covering you in the protection of heaven so that everything you do is touched by the kingdom, the glory and the power of God. You need intercessors. Remember, was it Peter that was in jail? But it says while he was in jail, the church prayed constantly. And over here, Peter was experiencing a miraculous deliverance, remarkable deliverance from prison while the church prayed. They were the air power for the troops on the ground to get the job done. That's what we need. So God, give us a heart for prayer. Give us the people. Maybe God's calling you. I believe there's going to be people that give up their jobs 
just to pray. It's going to be people that retire and step into prayer like never before. And it begins to transform ministries and activities, not just revived ones, but all the church right across Hull and East Yorkshire. We're just able to pray and prophesy and support and encourage. But more than that, what about changing nations around the world? Wouldn't it be extraordinary if we could? That's what I believe God's called us to do. I realise not everybody can spend days in a prayer room, but somebody somewhere needs to. So God, change our posture that will become a house of prayer with a furnace of fervent prayer right at our call. Because when Jesus looked at the church, here's the true north. Here's what he said. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Nothing else. Wow. Well, I hope you got something from that. Just while you meditate on that and just begin to think, some of you uh, feel called to a house of prayer, a place of prayer, of intimacy, a school of the spirit, a, a nest where the things of the spirit are powerfully growing. Some of you are called to be the air power, defending and protecting and prophesying over the troops as they go out to do stuff. Some of you, some of you, you know, man, I'm getting hammered out there on the mission field of what God's called me to do on my street, in my home, in my community. Yes, I need people praying. Well, begin to pray. God, set a spirit of prayer on Revive like never before. As I end this series, uh, just later on in September, we're going to go into a 21-day season of prayer and fasting. And let's begin to get a hold of some fresh momentum, some fresh hope, some fresh sense of the power of God. And let's expect new things to begin to break out in us and around us as we step into this new day with new ways in God.